Hello, and welcome to this Sleepcast series of the Stuff of Dreams podcast. My goal in this series is to provide you with relaxing bedtime stories that also have substance in the form of myths. I'm your host, Amy Lawson, MD, practicing pediatrician. I also have a master's degree in depth psychology, specifically in Jungian and archetypal studies. Our first myth is that of Psyche and Eros. Psyche is a human woman who unknowingly marries Eros, the god of love, who hides his identity from her. When she breaks his rule and dares to know who he really is, he casts her away. She must perform four difficult tasks to work her way back toward the god she loves. During their separation, Psyche and Eros each grow and mature until they're able to come together again in a more equal and deliberate and truly loving way. And now, Psyche and Eros, part two. The next day, when Psyche was alone, she went out into the valley to see whether she could hear her sisters calling her. And sure enough, she had not gone far when high up above her head, from the top of the cliff, she heard her name. Psyche, oh Psyche, where are you? At this, she was overjoyed. O gentle Zephyr, she called, O fair west wind, bring my sisters to me. Scarcely had she said the words than she saw her sisters gently borne down from the cliff above and set upon the ground beside her. She fell upon them and kissed them. Ah, my dear sisters, she cried, how happy I am to see you. Welcome to my new home. See, I am not tortured, as you thought. No, my life is bliss, as you shall see for yourselves. Come, enter in with me. And she took them by the hand and led them through the golden gates. The ministering voices played soft music in the air, and a rich feast was spread before them. All through the palace, Psyche led them and showed them all her treasures, and brought out her choicest jewels and let them choose and keep as many as they wished. All this time, though there was no corner of the palace that she kept hidden from them, she spoke no word of her mysterious husband. At length, they could contain their curiosity no longer, and one sister asked, Psyche, surely you don't live here alone, yet where is your husband? You've shown us all your treasures, but he, the giver of them all, we have not seen. Who is he then? Surely he, whom the winds and bodiless voices obey, must be a god and no mortal man. Tell us of him, we pray you. And Psyche remembered her husband's warning. My companion, she said, is a bold huntsman, and today he rides after the deer. He is as fair as the dawn, and the first down of youth is on his cheek. All through the hours of sunlight he goes to the hunt, and at evening he returns to me. It was now close on night, and the shadows fell long across the cool green lawns of the garden. Psyche thought it was high time for her sisters to go before they could ply her with more questions. So, kissing them farewell and sending many a loving message to the king her father, she called on the wind to bear them away to the top of the cliff. Until now, the surprise and wonder at all they had seen and heard had filled the minds of the two sisters. But when they found themselves once more alone upon the barren mountain slopes, they had time to think and compare their lot with that of their sister. Before they had seen her golden halls, they had been quite content with their own palaces. But these now seemed humble beside the splendors they had just left. 
Their shallow hearts were quite filled up with the image of themselves, and they had no room left for their sister. But now her good fortune forced the remembrance of her upon them, and they were filled with an envy and jealousy of her which conquered even their love for themselves. They could not be content to return once more to their homes and accept their husbands and their households. Their one thought was how they might spoil her happiness, for the hatred that comes from self-love is an all-consuming passion that burns up every kind and noble thought as a forest fire burns up the tall trees that stand in the path of its fury. How cruel and unjust, cried one, that she, the youngest, should be blessed so far above us both. My husband is a beggar compared to him who gives Psyche her golden halls to dwell in. Yes, and mine is an old man by the side of this beardless youth. Sister, your grief and mine are one. Side by side let us work, and she will have to be cunning to win against us and keep her ill-gotten wealth. Oh yes, it was out of pride that she welcomed us to her halls to flaunt her riches before us. Sister, I am with you. Quickly, let's plot to rob our upstart sister of her husband and her happiness. They agreed together to bring their father no word of Psyche's happiness. They tore their robes and loosened their hair as though all this while they had been wandering over the rough mountain rocks. Oh, father, they cried, how can we tell you the evil news? Nowhere can we find our sister or any trace of her. Truly, the oracle did not lie. She is the bride of some monster. Their cruel words quenched the feeble spark of hope that still burned in the king's breast. And when all hope leaves the heart of man, life leaves him too. So the old king died, and his blood was on the hands of his own children. And one day, they would pay the penalty with their own lives. Meanwhile, Psyche lived on in the happy valley in blissful content. Her husband would often warn her that her sisters were plotting her ruin, but she would listen to nothing against them. At last, one night, he said, Psyche, tomorrow your sisters will seek you once again. This time, they will not wait for the wind to bear them down, but, trusting themselves to the barren air, they will hurl themselves from the cliff and be dashed to pieces on the rocks below. Leave them to their fate. It will be due penalty for their crime, and it's the only way that we can be saved, beloved. My dearest, cried Psyche, your cruelty would kill my love for you were it not immortal. But, in truth, all my joy would be gone if I knew my sisters were killed when I could have saved them. Oh, my husband, by the love that makes us one, I beg you, send the wind once more to bear my sisters here. And she sobbed so pitifully and prayed so earnestly that once again he had not the heart to refuse. So about noon the next day, Psyche heard loud knocking and cries at the door, and she hurried to open it herself to her sisters. Again she kissed them and made them welcome, and they deceived her with flattery and honeyed words. And when she was off her guard, one said, Come, tell us, Psyche, your husband's name. Among the immortal gods, where does he take his place? And why is he not here to greet us? My husband, she replied, is a rich merchant. It has taken him many long years to build up all the fortune you see, for already the hair about his temples is touched with gray and this day he has gone on a long journey to a distant town in search of rich merchandise, and he will not return till the setting of the sun. 
Then quickly, she called on the wind to bear them away before they could ply her with questions. When her husband came that night, he was more troubled than before and begged her not to see them again, but let them fall to their deaths on the rocks if they troubled her again. Her pure heart, however, wouldn't believe evil of them. Meanwhile, the second visit of the sisters to Psyche in her beautiful home had only served to add fuel to the fire of their envy. When they remembered her confusion and the different tales she had told them about her husband, jealousy whispered in their ears that all her happiness depended on the keeping of her secret, and that secret they immediately determined to know. I think it is a strange man, said one, who in the course of a single month changes from a beardless boy to a respected merchant whose hair is touched with gray. True, sister, and in that hides the secret of her happiness. Her lying tale proves that she has never seen her husband. And truly, he who would hide his face from the queen of his heart must be some child of the immortals, whose love for an earth-born maiden must be hidden from gods and men. Yes, and they who are loved of the immortals are themselves immortal too, and their children after them. Truly, sister, that Psyche should be a goddess is more than I can bear. I feel it with you. It is not right that the youngest should have all. Let us invent some lying tale that will make her look upon her husband and break the spell which binds him to her. Remember the words of the oracle that doomed her to marry a monster? Let us go to her and say that now we know this to be true and beg her to flee from her vile fate. So once more they trusted themselves to the wind for Psyche had prevailed upon her mate to promise that, so long as her sisters should do her no harm, the wind would always be waiting to carry them to her. Early the next day, she was awoken from sleep by the sound of weeping and wailing at her door, and she hurried to meet her sisters, fearing some bad news. And they fell upon her, crying, Oh, sister, your evil fate! My evil fate? What do you mean? All is well with me. Ah, so you think in your heart's innocence, just like the dove falls victim to the hawk that circles above. What talk is this of doves and hawks? Come, my sisters, weep no more, for in this pleasant vale even the winds of heaven breathe gently on me. So good and great is my husband who commands them. Your husband? Have you ever seen his face that you can call him good and great? No, she answered blushing to think that they had guessed her secret. It's true that I have not seen his face, but why would I need to look upon him when all around me breathes of his love for me? Have you never heard tell of foul monsters that marry the daughters of men and come to them only in the night when the darkness can hide their deformity? They cast a spell about their victims and make all things about them seem fair. But one day, when they've had their fill and tire of the woman they have wed, at one word from them, the pleasant palaces and gardens vanish into air, and she is left all ashamed and deserted and scorned by gods and men. Oh, sister, we are warning you, escape from this vile situation before all is lost. Even yesterday, when we left you, we saw a monstrous shape that glided after us through the wood and we fled in terror, knowing it was your husband, who didn't want us near you. Come with us now and be saved. When Psyche heard their words, she was very troubled. 
It was strange that her husband didn't want her to see her sisters, unless, indeed, they were right, and she was the prey of some terrible beast. Yet his kind and loving words, and his tender thought for her welfare, and all the beauty that surrounded her, seemed to show the opposite. My dear sisters, she cried, thank you for your loving concern for me, but it cannot be as you say. Though I have never looked upon him, these fair halls and gardens mirror the beauty of his soul, and I know that he is true. Then why does he hide his face? At least, if you won't escape with us now, put him to the test when he comes tonight. One glimpse of him will show you that our tale is true, and if by some strange chance it isn't, what harm can one glance do? So they tempted her and made her doubt her husband, even though it was against her will. So it often happens that the pure of heart are tortured by the doubts which the wicked plant in their minds, just as Psyche, in her innocence, could not suspect the malicious envy of her sisters. But they were filled with joy at the success of their plot, and when the wind had borne them to the top of the cliff, they could contain their gladness no longer and danced with glee. Meanwhile, Psyche readied herself to look upon her husband that night. Under a chair, she placed a lighted lamp, then covered it so it didn't shine into the room and betray her purpose. Trembling, she went to bed that night, for she hated what she must do. At the usual hour, her husband came and spoke lovingly to her and kissed her, but her words died away upon her lips and she shuddered at his embrace. In time, he fell asleep and his breathing was gentle and even as that of a child, sweetly dreaming in its innocence of heart. Then she rose silently in the dead of night, and walking softly to the chair, she took the lamp from beneath and turned on tiptoe to the bed. High above her head, she held the light that the rays might fall more gently on him as he slept. And with bated breath, she drew near and looked at him. As she looked, the blood rushed headlong through her veins, and her heart beat fast within her, and her limbs seemed weak as she bent forward to look more closely. For on the bed, wrapped in deep sleep, lay no terrible monster, as she feared, but the youngest and fairest of the immortals, Eros, the great god of love. The gleam of his golden locks was like sunshine on the summer sea. From his shoulders sprang two mighty wings bright as the rainbow, and by his side lay his quiver and arrows. As he moved restlessly in the light of the lamp, she heard her name upon his lips. With a low cry, she fell on her knees beside him, and as she did so, her arm grazed the point of an arrow placed heedlessly in the sheath. The poison ran like liquid fire through her veins and set her heart aflame, and with blazing cheeks, she bent over and kissed him on the lips. As she did so, the lamp trembled in her hand and a drop of the burning oil fell upon his shoulder, and he awoke and found her bending over him. Oh, Psyche, he cried, what have you done? Couldn't you trust me, who gave you all the happiness you'd ever known? My dearest, forgive me. I wanted to prove to my sisters by my own eyes that you were not the monster that they dreaded. Foolish girl, don't you know that doubt drives away love? Did I not tell you that your first look would be your last? From a terrible fate I saved you, when Aphrodite asked me to strike you with my arrow 
and make you love some terrible beast. When I went to do her bidding, your grace and beauty conquered me, and I took you away to be my bride, and in time, had you proved worthy, my mother and all the great gods that rule above would have forgiven me and given you the gift of immortality to live with me forever in the courts of heaven. But now all is lost, and I must leave you. Oh, my husband, great is my sin, but I love you, and my soul is yours. Over the whole wide world would I wander just to find you again. Tell me that all hope is not gone. One moment he was silent, as though doubting her. Then he answered, One way there lies before you, if your courage proves greater than your faith. One way you can reach me, the long, rough path of trial and sorrow. Heaven and earth will turn against you, for humans don't win immortality easily. Yet I'll help you all I can. For every step you take, I will give you strength for two. And now, farewell. I cannot tell you more and cannot stay with you any longer. Goodbye. As he vanished from her eyes, Psyche fell to the floor, and for many a long hour she lay there, hearing and seeing nothing, as though life itself was gone. Meanwhile, the two sisters were waiting impatiently to know whether success had come of their evil plot. If the doubt they had planted in Psyche had borne fruit, and she had dared to disobey her husband, they knew full well that all her happiness would have vanished like a dream. Yet, fearing the anger of him whom the winds of heaven obeyed, they dared not trust themselves to the wind who had carried them down before. So they wandered restlessly from room to room and looked from the windows, hoping that Psyche, in her misery, would come to them and beg for help. There was nothing they would have loved better than to snub her from their houses and taunt her for the revenge that had come due to her vanity. But all day long they waited and she didn't come, so that at length they parted and went home. But the night was hot and sticky, and the oldest sister lay on her bed and tossed restlessly from side to side and could not sleep. At length she went to the window and drew aside the curtain and looked out on the starry night and when she had cooled her burning forehead, she went back to bed. Just as she was about to fall asleep, she felt a shadow pass between her and the light from the window, and she opened her eyes and her heart beat fast, for straight in the path of the moonlight stood Eros, the great god of love, and his wings stood out black against the starlit sky as he leaned on his golden bow. Though his face was dark in the shadow, his eyes seemed to pierce through to her heart as she lay still and trembling with fear. But he spoke softly to her with false, soothing words. Your sister Psyche, whom I chose from the daughters of men, has proved false and untrue, and now I turn my love to you. Come to me and be mistress in my palace halls, and I will give you immortality. Even now, the wind awaits you on the mountaintop to bear you away to my home. So saying, he faded from her sight. Her wicked heart was filled with joy when she heard of Psyche's fall, and she rose up in the dead of night and put on her finest dress and brightest gems. Without so much as a look on the prince, her husband, she went out to the mountaintop. There she stood alone and called softly, O oh, fair west wind, bear me away to my love. Without waiting, she threw herself boldly down, but the air gave way beneath her, 
and with a terrible cry, she fell faster and faster, down, down, to the gulf below, and was dashed to pieces on the rocks. As for the second sister, to her, too, the god appeared and spoke false words, and she, too, went to the mountain alone, and in the morning, her bones lay gleaming white beside her sisters on the rocks below. <laughs>